Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's a chancy job, and it makes a man watchful. And a little lonely. Come on in for an evening of poems and stories about the American West. A land of legend, of romance, of friendship and courage. A motherload of remembrance. A true showcase of the Old West with the old cowboy, J.C. Holsey. Now sit back down there. It's time for the Wild West Showdown. This is the old cowboy J.C. Halsey saying, come on in. Holler at your neighbors and invite them. We're going to have a good time. We're going to be talking a little bit later with pilot and author Rebecca McClendon. But right now, let's hear a little bit of cowboy poetry. This is Gary Penny reciting his poem about the rancher's wife. I've been a cattle rancher for pert near all my life. And I've got a dang good partner who doubles as my wife. She don't mind the cow poo or the blood and guts and such. There ain't nothing she won't try, even calf fries for our lunch. She helps with block and tackle when a cow is facing death. She'll give that calf a taste of air with a blow of her own breath. Green blowflies don't affect her, nor does burning hide and hair. And when it comes to cutting calves, well, she wants to be right there. This is a working woman, and it shows through in her deeds. But every woman is a lady, and she has a lady's needs. She longs to wear some perfume and some lipstick soft and light. A little shadow on her eyelids would make everything all right. But then I get to thinking that that ain't all she's craving. She might like new equipment from the money we've been saving. So I go and buy a saddle, trimmed in silver, just for her. That rawhide lasso sure looks good. She'll just love it, that's for sure. Next, I pick a cowboy hat and some earrings for her ears. Throw in that matching bracelet, and she'll look good for years. I'll take that brown serape with those chaps and fancy frills. That'll be her dress-up pair. They won't ever see no spills. Oh, I'll take that gun and holster, because she loves to ride and shoot. Finish with that pair of gloves. Well, that's all my spending loot. Walking in the ranch house door, I see tears have filled her eyes. Her insides are about to burst. She loves my grand surprise. Get cleaned up and come outside. I want to see you in the light. She almost takes my breath away when she walks into my sight. Honey, I would never trade you, and I wouldn't if I could. There's something I got to tell you, darling. Dang, you sure clean up good. You can bet your bottom dollar we're going to be hearing more from Gary Penny. I've been communicating with a lot of authors recently, and I keep hearing the same old story. I spent all this money to get my book published, and the publisher ain't doing nothing but asking for more money. 
Well, I do my best to explain to them that they don't need to spend any money to publish a book. Of course, this isn't much help after the fact, so the next thing I tell them is to try and put that experience behind you. Don't let a bad experience discourage you, and you got to just trudge ahead. There's some publishers out there that want to help and not hold you back or kick you to the curb when you're down. One of those publishers is Outlaws Publishing. You know, I got so tired of hearing all those sad tales and decided that somebody needed to offer help to new authors and other authors. Every opportunity I get, I tell folks how they can publish their book without any out-of-pocket money. And they can do it without a publishing company. Yes, I'm telling you that even though I have a publishing company and would love to add you to our growing roster of authors, you don't even need me or any publisher to publish your book. Now, why would I do that since I do own a publishing company? I've got a simple answer. Because I want to see you succeed and become the author that you want to be and deserve to be. If you got any questions about how to do everything I've talked about, drop me an email, jc at outlawspublishing.com or jc at theoldcowboy.net. I'm here to help you. You don't have anything to lose contacting me, but a little bit of your time. jc at outlawspublishing.com or jc at theoldcowboy.net. We want to welcome to the Wild West Showdown today, author and pilot Rebecca McClendon. Welcome, Miss McClendon. Well, it's good to be here. I understand you're married. you got three children and four grandchildren. Do you see a pilot or an author in the making in some of them? I do see some uh, pilots in the making. And you're a retired secondary school teacher of English, Spanish, and art. Can you explain to us what a secondary school teacher is? Secondary is grades uh, from grade 7 to 12. All right. Did you enjoy doing that? I had my ups and downs, but for the most part, it was very rewarding. You live in Crockett, Texas. What was it like growing up in Crockett, Texas? Oh, I'm sorry, you didn't grow up in Crockett, Texas, did you? No, I married a guy who grew up here. All right, where did you grow up? I grew up in Brownsville, Texas, which is right on the border by the sea. All right, was Brownsville, Texas a small town when you was growing up? Oh, it was about 40,000. Just sort of a nice, sleepy, moderate-sized town. And what was it like growing up there? I would say it was wonderful. It was almost idyllic. Sound like there may be a book there. There is one. (laughs) It's being written. You have 10 books on Amazon at present. You just mentioned a number 11. Can you give us the title of the new one? Uh, This future book, I am not quite sure yet. This is a fiction project, and I am finding that this is an extremely different way of writing for me. Uh, Most of mine has been from personal experience, autobiographical, vignettes about people that I've known and loved. Uh, This one is totally different. It is a little different writing fiction, isn't it? I'm using the writing process here that I taught so many years, and I'm beginning to really learn how to write now. Teaching yourself, aren't you? Right. Were you a good teacher? Are you a good teacher? I guess we're going to find out, aren't we? Oh, I guess so. (laughs) 
How does it make you feel to be so well received by your readers? Well, everybody loves to be liked. And I basically have told a story and I want to share it with the people out there. And when they say they really enjoyed it or they learned something from it or were inspired by it, I feel like I've accomplished my mission. That's a fantastic feeling to feel that you've helped somebody, isn't it? It really, really is, especially when some of them want to become pilots or something like that. I understand you're a multi-talented person. You're a pilot, you're an author, and you also write music. I do write music. I do sing. What type of music do you write and sing? Well, it's, uh, for the most part, Christian contemporary. I like to just, uh, it's sort of like setting poetry to music. Things that have inspired me, things that I wish for the world, things like that. Have you published it in your music? I have recorded, but I have not actually gone totally public with it. All right, you've got a venue right now that you could do that. You could sing, play on our show. Well, I don't know if I, I'm going to sing on live radio right now. <laughs> this is not really live radio. It's pre-recorded. If you don't like it, we don't have to put it on the air. Well, we'll think about it. Is there any one person in your life that's inspired you more than others? Oh, my goodness. Um, well, my first book was dedicated to a World War II ace pilot who was a friend of our family. And he, he was sort of my mentor as I went through learning how to fly. I was able to see him right before he passed away, and he gave me his last bit of advice, which I put in the book, that if you're ever going to be a pilot, you need to feel the airplane. And as he was saying that, he was working the controls of his wheelchair, flying that P-51 Mustang. So <laughs> he loved it. Most pilots do love it. They're very unique individuals. Yep, they are. They're inspired people. Do you use an outline when you write? No. Uh, basically, my two books about flying were taken from my blog. I originally started journaling before blogs became the thing to do. And then I started blogging uh, through notes on Facebook. And then I set up my own blogging page that people could follow, things like that. And then people started saying, you need to write a book. And you did. So I took the blog and I unblogged it and made it a book. You said it's a little difference writing a fiction and an autobiography. Uh, how much research do you do for a fiction book? A lot. Because I feel like if you're going to portray a story, you need to have some actual facts in there that can be supported. That's all right. I feel the same way about it. That's just the old teacher in me. How long did it take you to write your books? Well, one took about two years. The other took about six months. This fiction one may take me 20. I don't know. If I have 20 years, that's going to be... I talk to a lot of authors, and they tell me it takes this long to write a book, it takes that long to write a book. I, I guess it depends on the individual how long it takes. Exactly. You said you began writing at an early age on a chalkboard. You might have to explain what a chalkboard is to this younger generation. 
Well, I know these these kiddos have missed out on some really great experiences. But my grandparents and my mother, she was going through a divorce, and they felt like this was probably one way this little toddler could express herself was to give her something to scribble on besides the walls. So they bought a gigantic chalkboard. For our younger people, probably more familiar with a whiteboard you, where you use a, an erasable marker because most class, classrooms are outfitted with those. Back in my day, we had the chalkboard, and they started out being painted black, and then they went to green because they seemed to think that was easier on the eyes. Well, in my day, my mom and my grandmother decided I needed a black chalkboard. We called them the blackboard because I like to scribble, and it was big, and it kind of deterred me from scribbling on the walls of the house. So they handed me my chalk, and I started scribbling and babbling at the ripe old age of two, and it developed into little simple drawings and telling stories. And Mom and my grandmother would join in by telling stories and drawing out the storyboard. And I later learned in a writing class that that was the beginning of a writer. Most seasoned authors started out with their babbling and scribbling phase. So my chalkboard went with me all through my life. I just now have a computer screen instead. You're a retired school teacher. How long did you teach? I had taught 25 years. A lot of people got in a lot more than that because they taught all through their child-rearing years. I opted to stay home with mine while they were little. So I got in my 25 years and taught English, Spanish, art, and English as a second language. Did you enjoy teaching? I really did. I, I got a lot out of my language arts class where I actually taught a lot of writing and literary appreciation. And I also enjoyed my art classes because it took care of my urge to draw and impart that love to the kids. Uh, Spanish was okay, and I'm bilingual pretty much, which is good in Texas. Being a retired school teacher, do you do your own editing? I did. I, I had uh, piles and piles of essays that I graded every week. I got pretty good at this editing. Also did a lot of newspaper work when I was in high school and college. So I got introduced to the art of proofreading. And with the English teacher, I went into more reading for content and helping them form their paragraphs and do transitions to make it a good readable essay. Okay, do you do your own editing? Uh, yes, I do, as a matter of fact. I do submit bits and pieces to different readers to make sure I haven't overlooked something. And by golly, I still find out I've overlooked something. It'll jump out in my book when I'm reading it, and I'm going, uh-oh. My experience has been no matter how many eyes looks at it, how many times we look at it, we're going to find mistakes. Exactly. And, you know, that's okay. Goes, no, we're not perfect. No, we're not perfect. Long ways from it. How do you handle all this social media stuff and still find time to write? 
when I'm in a writing mode, social media suffers greatly, and I'm sure that all my adoring fans out there would just miss me terribly. But when I'm in a writing mode, I'm very quiet. No, nobody really sees me or hears from me by phone or anything. What do your readers want to know about you? Why, at my age, that I'm uh, all of a sudden writing books and flying airplanes? Well, what do you tell them? I tell them why not. We don't stop when we retire. Let's stand back and take a look at you for a minute. You started writing at what age? Oh, I guess I would say officially writing. Uh, kept a diary and things like that back when I was in third grade. So you're not too old to write. You've been writing all your life. You know, if a person has that passion to write, they need to write. You'll never be satisfied until you do. You bet. You better do it. You said you had a blog? I have a blog on WordPress. It's under my name, Rebecca McLinden. And I must admit, I haven't been real diligent about adding things to that blog. I've been busy with writing and various other issues. All right, you're on Facebook, correct? I am on Facebook, and I, I tend to try to put a little something out there every day, usually something to have to do with my face, things like that. Sometimes I'll put a little bit about my flying out there. How about a Twitter page? I have one, but I just, I guess I am just too old to tweet. Have you ever said, I've had enough of this, and I'm going to quit flying, I'm going to quit writing, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just throw the towel in? During my training as a pilot, I said that about weekly. How about as an author? When you're right about to wrap the book up, you get so tired of looking at it, you just say, why am I even bothering? What would you say to a person that tells you they want to be an author? I would say start writing. Start putting yourself out there and, and welcoming feedback from readers. If you get an idea, write that thing down and start developing it. Uh, if you've got the want to, you will be. Like we said just earlier, we're not going to be satisfied if we don't write. I would encourage them to buy a spiral-bound notebook, if nothing else, and start writing down their thoughts every day. That sounds like good advice to me. I feel very strongly about the next question. Do you think each person has at least one book in them? I really do. We can find your books on Amazon, is that correct? I think Amazon would be the biggest exposure of my books. Yes, it seems like uh, Amazon's where everybody goes nowadays. It's a new trend. It really is. It's kind of been hard to accept that, hey, digital and all of that is the way to go. Okay, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, do you mind giving out your email address? I certainly don't mind. If, if you've got your pen handy, we'll... It's uh, BeckGal, all lowercase, BeckGal, 220 at gmail.com. Maybe you could spell that for us. B-E-C-K-G-A-L-220. All right, let me ask you this last question. What was your favorite treat as a youngster? My favorite treat? Yeah, you know, like candy, cake, something like that. Oh, my goodness. I 
loved devil food cake with icing on it. But I felt like I was being bad asking God to send me a devil food cake. So I said, please send me an angel food cake and make it chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, (laughs) out of the mouths of babes, you know. Listen, we appreciate so much you being a guest on the Wild West Showdown with us today. I want to give you a special invitation to come back and visit again real soon. Would love to do it, J.C. I realize that I repeat myself a lot of the time. But when I feel something's worth repeating, I just can't control myself. I told you in the past how I'm amazed at all the talent I've discovered on the Internet. This is a young man that I know you're going to like as much as I do. This is Les Flick singing Smitty. Was holed up in Cody for a day or two. Wasn't going down the road no further till I found myself once again at the Irma for prime rib like no other. Well, I was finishing up the last little bite and washing it down with house brew and in through the front door he walked. A genuine certified old school buckaroo. Atop his silvery head sat a flat brim black beaver. A polka dot silk rag graced his neck with an engraved silver keeper. A wool vest with four pockets, suspenders held up his jeans. No doubt those were Paul Bonds with silver from Capriolas on the heels. Well, he made his way to the end of the bar and sat down. She poured him a cup of coffee and he slowly looked around. Well, I couldn't help notice that his entrance caused quite a stir. For some, it was blind stare. Why, you'd have thought he was celebrity or an eccentric millionaire. Well, for some, I guess he was celebrity, these folks far from home, for they'd only seen him in the movies, these tourists on their way to Yellowstone. Well, I'm a fair horseman and a student of the West, you might say, but to call me cowboy, nah, no way. Punching cows on big outfits was always a big dream of mine, but the Lord had different plans for my life, and that suits me just fine. But I've always found myself drawn to those who... Folks like me, well, we call the real deal. They're independent, self-reliant, with fire-forged lives strong as hardened steel. So I asked for my bill and complimented the proprietorship, tipped my hat to my waitress as I left her a tip, and across the room I headed his way, offered my hand as I gave him my name. Well, he said his name was Smitty, and he welcomed the intrusion. Spent most of my life on the high lonesome and solitude and seclusion. Well, he asked what outfit I was with, and I told him I was just passing through, but was flattered that he thought me a fellow buckaroo. Well, he warmed up, and we started talking horses and things afflicting the West, when after some while he gave long pause and reached for the upper left pocket of his vest. He pulled out a photo, black and white, dog-eared, Weren't a picture of his wife or his kids, but of a horse that he dearly revered. Said, this is the best horse I ever rode. Wild Mustang he was. Stayed with him for hours before I finally got him roped. We got together on a few things. He counted on me and I him. Till that day down in the Brandon pen. I remember it well. It was the spring of 63, I was roping neath the clear Nevada sky when that hoss and I parted company. We made a lot of big circles, drug a lot of calves. I shook out a loop, just one more, I said, but 
His one more had already came and went. And if he knew it, he never let me know. See, I never seen another one like him. When he was foaled, I think somewhere they broke the mold. Well, his knees began to buckle, and at once we hit the ground. He did his best to stay on his feet, but I guess that big old heart had finally give out. Well, pools formed in his eyes, and I'm fighting back the tears in mine. A man gets one good horse. The memory lasts a lifetime. Well, he took a swig of coffee and began to reminisce. I spent my best years in the basin, riding for the big outfits. The Span, the IL, the 25, the YP. How many now, I don't know, but I'm the last of a breed that was taught the trade by the old vaquero. It was big country part. You couldn't cover it in a year. Riding and roping, branding hides and holding roe deer. Yep, them good years are all behind me now. They're gone like ashes in the wind, but I heard tell of a buckaroo outfit up north where old hands like me fit right in. So I come to town from time to time. My cowboy pride just won't depart. Looked like I just rode in, fixing to ride out. I got buckaroo tattooed on my heart. Truth is, son, I can't fork a horse no more. My body's racked with pain. And if I had to spend another winter in a line shack, why, I'd scratch to death with the chill blains. But once a buckaroo, always a buckaroo, and that you can rely. My rope, catch, and dally days are over, but the boys in this outfit say I make great apple pie. Thank you, Les. I enjoyed that a lot. I know we're going to have you back again real soon. When you think of a peddler or a traveling salesman in the cowboy days, what kind of a picture comes to your mind? You know, I've got to blame Hollywood for the image that comes into my head. I see a wagon with pots and pans rattling as he comes around the corner into the yard. Hanging from that wagon is an assortment of shiny new tin hollowware. More tinware hangs from the wagon walls, which also contains dusters, brooms, and other household items. The wagon also has racks and drawers and cabinets for the smaller stuff. Now, this is probably the way it was, but not until later. The first peddlers didn't have the luxury of a road to travel on, so they traveled from farm to farm with their trunks strapped to their backs, or as roads improved on the back of a pack horse, or in a cart or a wagon. Trunk peddlers sold smaller items like combs, pins, cheap jewelry, knives, woodenware, knitted goods, and books. Most were willing to barter their wares in exchange for farm products from their cash-strapped and isolated rural customers. Then they'd carry those goods for resale at a cash profit in country stores and town markets. In early 1884, there were several traveling salesmen that walked across the Ozark Mountains bringing goods, referred to as notions, to sell on their trip. They bought the goods with money they earned selling fish that they caught in the White River in Arkansas. Notions are things like needles and thread, knives and buttons. Such small, useful items were scarce on the frontier. They were also easy for the peddler to carry. The men made good money selling notions. One man in one day in Willow Springs sold $4.65 worth of goods, which at that time was a lot of money. They had some problems selling their wares in towns because the local merchants didn't seem to like traveling salesmen taking business away from their store. In one town, the sheriff even took a full pack of goods from one of the peddlers because he didn't have a license. 
The last show in December 2015, we're going to give a tribute show for Hank Williams Sr. We're planning on having some of our singers sing their rendition of a Hank Williams song. If you're a singer and would like to participate, we'd be glad to include you in this tribute show. Send an email to jc at outlawspublishing.com or jc at theoldcowboy.net. This week we want to tell you about a new book, Into the West, The Orphan Train by Arthur Stephen Burkhart. Here's a couple of his reviews. One says he's an amazing writer. Great stories, even if you aren't into westerns. Another says, I'm hooked. Stephen does a fantastic job of bringing the characters to life. Another says, a well-written and well-researched book. Do a Google search for Stephen Burkhart. Burkhart is spelled B-U-R-C-K-H-A-R-D-T. Scroll down a little bit, and there he is. He's on Facebook, he's on Twitter, and you can buy all of his books on Amazon. I think it'd be worthwhile to check him out. Well, it looks like we're coming to the end of the show again. I sure hope you enjoyed it. Tell all your friends and neighbors about the Wild West Showdown. I feel like I wouldn't be doing right by you leaving without giving you the latest news about Outlaws Publishing. We signed two great authors since the last show, and we're in negotiations with a few others. I'm giving you this information again because I want you. No, I encourage you to climb on board with us and let us help you share your work with the readers of the world. I personally feel that 2016 is going to be a banner year for our young company. I don't think there's a greater feeling than to have two of Outlaw's authors have their books on Amazon's best-selling list. One last thing, and then I'll say so long. Your book could be on Amazon's best-sellers list, but it won't be unless you take that first step. Contact Outlaw's Publishing and let us help you do that. JC at outlawspublishing.com or JC at theoldcowboy.net. We want to give a special thanks to Gary Penny and Les Flick for their poetry. And a special thank you to Rebecca McClendon for being our featured author. You can find all these folks on Facebook and other places. Now, all you cowboys listen to this. You can't unsay a cruel word. This is the old cowboy saying, adios and happy trails. Come on back next week to the Wild West Showdown with the old cowboy J.C. Holsey. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.